0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowan. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at another weekend with tries galore in the premiership and another strong round for the South Africans in the URC. Plus, we'll be having a chat with England star Hannah Botterman ahead of the World Cup getting underway this weekend in New Zealand. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you're subscribed to Spotify.
2: Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom.
1: Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft, tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Well, first up, lads, massive thank you to Tottenham Stadium for hosting us last week and for our live show. What a venue. Unreal. Different to what we've done before, but nonetheless, unreal. Blown away.
0: Weren't we, Andrew, looking out there into the open wilderness? Lovely area. I mean, no, I've lied. Not a great area, but a great stadium. Great stadium. But looking out into the stadium with my long lost friends, which is you two, and the team was great. But that was without the show. That's not me even talking about the show. That's me talking about the setting. That is next level shit, if we can say that. I mean, what? I'm a Tottenham fan now.
4: The stadium's unbelievable. The second time I've been there, I luckily did a game there for BT last year, which was unbelievable, but... You're right, Jim, but on the inside, it is the shiniest place you've ever seen in your life. When we had the tour, didn't we, and the fellow was telling us about the nightclub that's on the roof, that's suspended from the roof, and all the different spend and everything that's gone on, it is just ridiculous. So, my absolute pleasure to be there. It went wrong for me after the show, I'm not going to lie. Did it? Did you carry on?
0: But you smuggled the lads were in town, <laughs> weren't they? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I
4: said to the missus, I said, oh, don't worry, I'll be home by half eleven, no doubt, it's not too far away. Uh, as in it's in London, yeah, rolled in at about three in the morning after <laughs> heading out for a few. It's one of those things, right? You say to yourself, I bumped into the budgie lads afterwards, and obviously then the crowd and Jim gave them a bit of a shout-out during the live show, and uh, they're like, do you want to come for one, Goody? I was like, yeah, just come for one. Not- one's not a problem. Next thing you know, it's 10 to 3, and I'm in a taxi on the way home. Absolutely fucked.
0: This is life, though, isn't it, Goody? Because we were stood outside. You know how life goes. You turn left, you turn right, or you go straight on, or you can go back. If you're not that innovative, but we're stood outside, right? And I'm looking at Goody. He's looking at me, and I, he can see I'm knackered, right? He's, he can see that I, I'm done. And I look at him, and I could see, I could just see that thing in his eye that was like thirsty. Like I'm thirsty. <laughs> in my eye, it was mercy. And he took the left direction. I took the right, and I took what was, you know, really in hindsight, the right way home because I was in bed by midnight and. My good friend, Andrew Good was suffering the consequences for two or three days. In the doghouse, we could talk about your dog, actually, not the doghouse that was built for the dog, but in the doghouse with the missus, or is she happy because you've got a dog?
4: Well, I don't know, probably in between, to be honest. It was the start of a busy week, so I was up at Leicester on Tuesday for the Prem Cup game. Then I've gone out on the Wednesday, so I was away for two nights, effectively. Thursday, I then had a dinner. Big shout-out to Lloyds of London, the insurance company their rugby club. Spoke at their dinner Thursday night and then Friday drive to Newcastle, Saturday pick up a dog. So basically that decision on Wednesday night to go out was comfortably the wrong one. And I've apologized to the the missus, the kids, the dog and everyone ever since.
1: And Tottenham will be hosting the Barbarians versus an All Black 15 on Sunday, November the 13th. So if you can get along. Because it is one of the best stadiums in the world. And they've offered all Rugby Pod listeners 10% off tickets and any premium packages in their suites. So check out Tottenham's website or Ticketmaster or just call their sales team and use the code BARBXV10. That's B-A-R-B-X-V-1-0. You won't be disappointed. Goody, tell me more about this dog.
4: Well, it's uh, a dog that's been... The decision was made quite some time ago, but we were just trying to arrange a time. I'm I'm happy to say, Jim, I think my dog is more Scottish than you are, because my dog was born in the Scottish Highlands, up in Inverness, up right the north of Scotland. I've got a black Labrador, a gun dog. She's called Kelpie, which is a Scottish name. So effectively, Jim, in days gone by, I could have qualified for Scotland to play rugby for you.
0: Why? Have you got a gun dog, though? You don't even own a gun. Is this like a <laughs> lock stock and two smoking barrels or
4: what? Mate, I've got I've got guns. Don't you worry about it. Have you? Yeah, I have, yeah. yeah. The father-in-law's got a uh, shooting club, so you can't not have a gun, right? My
0: sister's got an horse riding that.
4: Doesn't mean I've got any horses. <laughs> you do have horse riding boots. <laughs>
0: I do have boots, actually. Uh,
4: yeah, so we picked up the dog on, uh, well, Saturday morning. I drove an hour north of Newcastle to meet some good friends of ours who have kindly trained up a gun dog. Kelpie and uh, handed her over to us and yeah it's great actually the steps will be going up I thought about it I thought I need to do more than just a bit of spinning and playing golf because I get in the buggy when I play golf so I thought my steps need to go up throughout the day so get a gun dog, and my god she's got some energy let me tell you
0: I love how everything in life you take the easier option so has she been trained like so you've got her in (laughs) oh my god (laughs) what a life
4: yeah, she's 16 months old, fully trained, walks by my side, doesn't leave my side unless I give her the whistle and off she goes. So, uh, this
0: is ridiculous, Andrew. But <laughs> I'm jealous. I'll be honest, I am jealous oh of of this setup. Uh, we've got a dog that is eating slippers, <laughs> it's eating dolls. <laughs> I mean, for breakfast this morning, it had three balloons. So, who knows what's happening with us? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. Jim, you've got a new business venture, haven't you? Well, you say that. You say that. It's been. Brewing in the background for a while, and I've pulled the trigger on it. I wanted to start taking control of my life, and actually, what inspired me was being at the live show at Tottenham, and I just got a whiff of me good mate Andy Good. All I could smell was sweets and cigarettes. (laughs) So this was a scent that was in the back burner. Because I wasn't too sure, because I'm so indecisive. There's like you get all this, you know, when you go to a perfume shop or whatever, or after and you want to buy your partner something for Christmas or to say sorry. So it's either a Toblerone or some perfume or whatever, and they all smell the same. So you just end up just getting whatever, like who's that one, Lady Gaga, bang, that's easy. I've heard of her songs. So I've been struggling to work out a scent for a long time. Smelt good, he smelt s- sweets and cigarettes. Last Wednesday, I was like, bang. That's it, I'm going with it, I'm launching it. So that smell was dark honey and tobacco. And genuinely in the background, I've been looking at different things. I've got a couple of mates who've been looking to it for me. And Poland, Jersey, Germany, trying to get different samples. We found a company in the UK. I've got no idea what I'm doing from a business sense, but like we've got a good platform to be able to plug these different things. So for the listeners out there, Maul & Brawl is what
4: it's called. Andrew. Well, I mean, you could more, but you couldn't brawl. Yeah, but
0: if you have this on, then you'll be able to brawl. So that's like, it's like what I want to be and who I want to be, which is you, which is basically an easy <laughs> life. So all <laughs> thrown in the mix for one and we're launching it. So if anyone's got any idea how to do a business, then let me know because I ain't got a fucking scoop. All I know <laughs> is that come Christmas, people are going to be smelling like my good self or inspired by Andy Good and... It says for men who maul, that's like the tagline, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily for men because your wife might have a beard, so she can have (laughs) beard oil as well, and you might want your wife or your partner to smell like myself and Goody, so either way, it's a win-win.
4: Does it work on dogs? I
0: don't want to say 100% yes, but I'd I'd imagine it would do. Like, I think that. (laughs) So I'm going to try it on my dog. He's eating three balloons. I mean, he's at the point now where if something bad was going to happen, his immune system's on the floor, so he's getting some maul and brawl. Tonight in the bath, he's getting a beard oil on, dark honey and tobacco, and I'll let you know. But it's mainly for men who maul and want to brawl.
1: And where can you get the More and Brawl from, Jim?
0: Well, it's a good name. It's a good website. It's maulandbrawl.com. So that's how big time we are, is the fact that we got the .com. So just go to there, and if it's in a different language, then that's because we've not paid the people who do the website properly. So someone can help us out with that as well. You're
1: like an alpha version of David Beckham.
0: Andy wrote that podcast of yours, actually, <laughs> I've, I'm going to listen to one. I am. <laughs> You're so kind. Thank you.
1: Let's get on to the rugby. Back on schedule. Uh, George Skivington said this week that players may need to take some big pay cuts. I disagree. And I
0: like gorgeous George. Now, this actually, Ravo was chatting to me about it. He's like, why do you keep saying players should be getting paid more? I said, Ravo, if I was did this back when you were playing for Rotherham, you were on six grand a year, I said... You could argue be looking a million dollars now. Six grand a year. He's like, no. He said, you keep talking about players getting paid more, which I do believe is the case. Not ridiculous amounts more, but I can see why now because he was setting us up, weren't he, for gorgeous George Givington to say that players shouldn't be getting paid that much.
4: Well, shall I give you a simple maths lesson, James, even though you had a very good maths teacher when you were younger? Yeah. Um, like, I completely agree with and always wanted, and I can't be someone that says, oh, everyone should get paid much less because, you know, I went for the biggest contract possible most of the time, except for once when the Dragons offered me the most money and you couldn't go to the drags, right? But I completely agree. Players need to get paid as much as possible. But here's the thing on it, and uh, you're a big advocate for thinking the players need more and more and more. What happens if there's only six clubs because no one can afford all these players, right? And as a business, math lesson, business, if you spend way more than you earn in terms of revenue, so your expenditure is way bigger than your revenue, you're going to go tits up, belly up, you go and bust at some point, and that's what we're seeing now. Clubs on the precipice. The business model is relying on benefactors to plug that hole, right? And clubs spent since the onset of professionalism, really, clubs spent more money than they could afford. So they're writing checks they couldn't cash, and now we're seeing the dire financial situation that some of the clubs are in because they thought, "Oh, we'll get a big TV deal. That'll happen," and it didn't happen. And they just think, oh, we'll get loads more revenue somehow without a proper plan around growing the game. So while I agree players need to earn as much as they can, they're getting paid way too much for what the business is. So we're going to see more and more clubs fall by the wayside if wages do not take a a, a, a big decrease. So it's better to earn less and do what you love than nothing because there isn't any jobs. And this is the first year that we've seen so many players who are fit have the ability to play, just not have a job because clubs haven't got the revenue, haven't got the ability in the salary cap or haven't got the resources from their owners. I think some of the, a lot of the owners are tired now of just funding that deficit. So for me, I agree with George Skimton. If the game is going to have a lot of sustainability and a longer run at it professionally players may have to take big pay cuts.
0: But they're only going to have to take pay cuts in England because the URC are not doing pay cuts and the top 14 aren't doing pay cuts. And there's a load of things. England are paying 25 grand for players to play internationals.
4: That's all how businesses run, right? So the URC don't have to take pay cuts because... And, and look at Munster, not so much Leinster, Munster, Connacht. I don't really know about Ulster, but they would be completely on their arses if it wasn't for the RFU funding everything. Mm. same in Scotland with Edinburgh and Glasgow. But at some point, it's just going to go... There's going to be a huge pop.
0: Surely the RFU need to take it in-house now, centrally contract. Did I say central contracts are around the corner? <laughs> How many years ago was that?
4: But You did, but then they, they haven't got the money either. They sent the women to New Zealand in economy because they haven't got the cash to to spend on that stuff. You know, that was a, a big talking point. So they haven't got the cash, the RFU, to be able to go, let's just take over everything and centrally contract everyone and pay people more. You've got to make money to pay money in business. And unfortunately, premiership clubs haven't made enough money. So they're now staring down the barrel of being another Worcester, another you know Wasps potentially with, with what they've lost and how they can fix the game going forward. You've got to decrease your expenditure. And that starts with the salaries, unfortunately.
0: I think if you're Gloucester and you're George Skivington or you're a Simon Orange, you don't need to spend up the salary cap. Make it two million. Make it a million. Make it 800 grand. Do whatever you want to do. You don't have to spend it to the salary cap. So if you can't afford it, don't.
4: But then you don't get a decent competition because you've got Saracens and some clubs that will spend five or six mil and then you've got others that just won't. So it devalues the competition and then and then you're not growing it.
0: That's sport. I mean, look at look at the Dragons. Look at Edinburgh, Glasgow. Edinburgh So Edinburgh and Glasgow's salary cap is 3.5, 3.8 mil. They ain't going above that. This is the whole thing around it, isn't it? If you're Gloucester and George Skivington and whoever... Martin Saint Quinton, don't you don't you don't need to pay so you don't need to pay whatever Zatmorse is getting paid. But they've gone and done that, so that's their prerogative. I understand that players' salaries need to come down, but no one's forcing you to pay them that. No one has to spend up to the salary cap, do they? But then you ain't going to win anything. You ain't going to win anything anyway, especially Europe if you don't want to spend. And I believe that that's what sport is. You need to invest to win.
4: That's it. No, I get I get your point. But also, we want a game here in five, ten years' time, which if it carries on the way it is, ain't gonna be, there ain't going to be one. Which means there's no podcast here. Well, Well, no, actually, fucking strip them of the money. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> or we'll just do a URC podcast. Or we
1: speak French. Hello. Do you think that the England Rugby Union would even want to centrally contract the players?
4: No. They don't want to take the risk as a business. They didn't back in the day, and looking at it now, CVC. I think CVC has sat there quietly, semi-hoping, without saying this out loud, but semi-hoping. You know, there's a bit more financial turmoil, then they can come in, buy more of it cheaper, to keep some clubs afloat, and then eventually they take complete control of everything, and then that game will explode and grow after that once they invest. But they're, you know, at the minute they're just looking at this, and that's the only route that I can see where you're going to see a growth once they get their fingers and toes and everything involved and try and grow the game that way. But I don't think they think they've got a big enough slice of the pie at the minute to do that.
0: Andy good. I 100% agree that that's what's going to happen.
1: Worcester and Wasps, we don't really know what's going to happen there. There were rumours last week, though, about Welsh teams joining the premiership. What do you guys know about that?
4: Well, first and foremost, what we do know about Worcester is they've officially gone into administration they've stopped playing and they're two owners and Jim aptly named the one of the owners last week Colin Goldring he ain't Goldring he's Brownwing. I mean this week and we'll come on to it later before we get into this bit about the Welsh teams what a pair of absolute see you next Tuesdays
0: they're joking surely like I know it's not a time to joke and we are joking Goody. surely they have wrote that and they're thinking we need to bring some humor into all this because it's disastrous and they've put that out that ain't legit no
4: I think they've been listening to you, Jim. Deny, deny, re accuse So they've gone with, we tried our best, but sorry, no more of you fans wanted to come and watch us. And we're sorry that the players wouldn't take a pay cut. It's not our fault. Deny, deny, re accuse people. So if you're a Worcester fan, blame Jim Hamilton, because that's where they got it from.
0: I'm sorry. But I mean, I'm also sorry for the people at Worcester because absolute shit blokes. There's no other way to put it. And I know we're labouring the point here and... Not that we're bringing the energy down around rugby, but you've got to say what you hear and what you see, and we've got to talk about it as kind of, it's not even divisive, but it's bringing the tone down, isn't it, on what we want to be upbeat about the game that we love. But it's staring us in the face. These lads and women involved in the organisation are going through this horrible process. Everyone's tried to do everything to get it to a point where they can sort it out. Administration seemed the way in which it needed to happen but we're in the middle of it at the minute or just the start of the horrible part of, of going through finding out what's happening and we're seeing four lads now going off on loan to Bath they've not been paid at the minute they've got 14 days goody like we were talking about before not to be in breach of contract by Worcester but I, it just doesn't look good does it it doesn't look like Things are going to get sorted out quickly.
4: Quickly is the word, right? Because I think it will, or we desperately hope it will get sorted. And the more you read about it, the administrators have now got powers to go and look at all the other 13 or 12 companies that are associated with Worcester where the land's been stripped out and asset stripping's gone on where they've sold plots of land for 50 grand when it's probably worth about 3 million or whatever. And I'm just chucking numbers there, but the 50 grand one is true. So you hope that the the administrators, the legal process has got the ability to recoup all the assets and Worcester will move on under a new guys with new ownership. But quicker these Cowboys are, are, are driven and ridden out of town, then you know it's just a disgrace what they've done in the first place. And then to back it up with that statement. And I don't want to continue on a negative, Andy, because you um, you asked a question about the Welsh clubs. And there's rumours of two of them joining the Prem. No, thank you, is all I'm saying. No, thank you. I know the Ospreys absolutely destroyed a Scottish team at the weekend in Glasgow. But the Premiership to me is so sacred in terms of what we're seeing at the minute, right? The Premiership is a quality league. And I personally always said that 13 teams was too many and I got why they got rid of relegation because of the COVID pandemic. But we're sat here now. What you cannot do is just add in two Welsh teams and go, oh, there you go, you have a crack. Because it just doesn't work to me in terms of the Premiership and the quality product that you see week in, week out. You know, look at the games this weekend again. We spoke about it last weekend. You chuck a couple of Welsh teams in there and and you just... I think it divides opinion hugely and I think it kind of dissipates the the quality a little bit because we've seen how, let's be honest, how bang average at best some of the Welsh teams have been.
0: You don't need it. I think you've just said it there, Mm. Goody. This isn't about being horrible and about taking the piss. The Prem's got a lot of things going on, like we've gone through. Goody knows a lot about as well in terms of the back end to the business and stuff like that. But why? Why do the Welsh teams need to come into the Gallagher Premiership when what we're seeing on the pitch is unbelievable. And actually, could it make things worse? Because they're not in a financial stable place
4: either. you having Scarlets, played three, lost three in the URC. The Dragons, well, we've talked about them at length, even though the results are improving for them. Cardiff, don't bring them over, because they've been egging pubs left, right and centre, apparently.
0: No, they didn't egg a pub. Who even
4: eggs anymore? And then the Ospreys as well, but it's just, I don't know. Whoever's come up with that idea, and we had a debate with BT Sport on Friday when I was up at Newcastle, Some people are like, yeah, I think it'd be great. I'm like, no. Well, Gertie, you asked the question who is even into egging? Is that what they've done? Have
0: they. So so hang on, because I saw breaking news on Rugby Pass. Allegedly. Allegedly, it's been used. So tell me they've not gone really, really loose and started egging people.
4: Well, not people, but apparently they've gone, had a bit of a disagreement on a team social in the pub and some of them have been egging the pub who, who even eggs anymore
0: in the grand scheme of what we're seeing and i saw someone tipping two liters of shit over a sir tom moore monument and that's making the news and you can understand who's bothered about someone egging someone i mean come on i've egged a few people in my life actually
4: when was the last time you egged
0: the last time i egged was i reckon going back through the archive circa 2003
4: 19 years ago is that when it was it felt like
0: yesterday (laughs) felt like yesterday well what happened was when i was driving from leicester to Cov, you have to go via the m69 as we know goody and on the way down there there's a number of bus stops and one day i was driving there with all the uh, leicester skins that driving back to Cov, and someone's thrown a bottle under the car and exploded let's just say for context of the story all four wheels have exploded so i had to get someone (laughs) back right so the same bus stop, we'd, we stalked them out for a few weeks. Same group of lads it was that threw this uh, bottle. I was like, we need to get them back. So we went tooled up one of the Thursday nights after training, tooled up with six eggs. And the first time we missed, right? So that was just getting done for egging, right? So that was the first time we're egging. I thought, right, it's a hard shot. And I'm, I've got an, I've got the eye of a sniper and I've got the direction and the force of a sniper and I still miss. So I thought, what would be next, which is guaranteed to hit? Would it be opening a yogurt pot slightly and throwing that into the bus stop? (laughs) Maybe, maybe, but what would definitely work would be a massive sandwich bag full of lasagna, which is rolled up effectively, as in, but not tied up, which is rolled up and not tied up. You go past at 30 miles an hour, finger mouse, AKA Steve Newman opens up the window. The bag gets launched into the bus stop when people are waiting to go out. I mean, it was these lads, remember they exploded four of our tires with a glass bottle, lasagna bags gone in and exploded in the bus stop. Have a good night, gentlemen and ladies and the people that are off to do their shopping at Sainsbury's. What idiot throws a bag of lasagna into a bus stop? The coughskins.
1: Let's move on to the serious stuff. God, the uh, Saracens evolution continues, doesn't it, Jim?
0: Unreal. I don't even know where to start. 51-18, scoreline says it all. You've got to remember the final. And I think these... Performance is what we're seeing now from Saracens, and this performance in particular all stems from that final. I think the coaches, having lost the way that they lost against Leicester, and it was effectively they got out Saracens in that game with Richard Wigglesworth and Ashley playing, Steve Borthwick, former player, now coach of Leicester. I think that was a turning point, not only for Saracens, but I think you could arguably say the Premiership as well, because they've gone away as coaches. You've got to remember they're innovative, and yes, they've had their problems in the past, but they're a fantastic team and well coached. And I think that was a turning point for the club where they were like, right, we can't carry on doing what we're doing. We need to evolve. We know in the background, all the teams just want to get better and throw the ball around. Have they got the players to do it? And we spoke about Owen Farrell at the back end of last season about how good he is. But you actually look at the profile of the team. Van Seal coming in at nine. I say coming in, he didn't play in the final. Alla Davis played in the final, who I didn't think had a great game in that final. And nine is where they've been struggling. But the evolution of their attack, I think Elliot Daly, I don't think I've seen him playing as well as he's playing now. I really don't. And everyone you speak to at Saracens and chat to Kelly Brown and and Goody, you're closer to him than me. Everyone says he is world-class in terms of how he trains, how he reads the game. And I think we're seeing that now. And then you throw into the mix this back row where I've put my – Neck on the line saying it, but I think they've got one of the best back rows in Europe with Theo McFarland, who I'm sure we can talk about, Billy V when he's on fire, and Ben Earl, who for me is England's best seven at the minute. And you throw that all into the mix, the the pitch that they play on, which I think will be going soon. I think they'll turn it into a grass pitch, but my goodness me, they not only performed well, they look incredible how they play. I mean, it's quite... Awesome to watch, to be honest.
4: Yeah, it is. And looking at it, and I, we spoke about this at length, You know, it's been coming that sort of performance, hasn't it, with how they've evolved their own game. And we talked about it around when I thought they choked a little bit in the final with the way they played, but also when they had the opportunity to go on and win it with a, a penalty five metres out, take the scrum, and then score the try pretty comfortably, but Owen Farrell kicked the three points to level it up. Joe Shaw's done a wonderful job over the summer there. You see the skill level of the players, and McFarland, he's just an absolute freak show in terms of his ball-handling skills, his athleticism, his reading of the game, his offload ability. He's the ultimate player, I reckon, in that sixth position.
0: Did you see him go for that kick, Goody, from the box
4: kick? Crazy. I watched the line out and I thought Jim Hamilton. It's over the back of his head. He scoops it with one hand and still gives him the perfect delivery. And I'm, I'm thinking Jim Hamilton.
0: I've done that before. Shoulder dissipated. I've thrown the ball out the back door, popped the shoulder in on the way down and went and blasted through. It was probably Joe Marla <laughs> that I blasted through. Absolutely haven't. But everyone's talking about that one-hander, Goody. That box kick that he chased and went up two yeah. knees, two elbows yeah. Yeah. and has literally monstered about four players. I mean, yeah. I don't know many players. Freddie Stewart, maybe. Which is his job.
4: Yeah, no, it was a freak show in a, in a the most positive way possible. But I, I think that sort of performance was coming. But also, I think there's a lot more in it around... It was Leicester. If you think back to round three or four, it was last year when Leicester beat Saracens. When Saracens had a try disallowed, I think, at the end. There was a bit of angst at the end of the game. Then you not add on to that, the final, where... Leicester win the final as well against Saracens. You always get a bit of payback somewhere in life, don't you? And the Saracens were absolutely primed for that. Leicester, and Steve Borthwick said it before the game, I didn't realise this until you actually look at the team sheet properly. Three players started that final that started at the weekend. And I know he made some changes, Dan Cole was on the bench and various different things, but it's a massive shift. Just literally four games ago, that team's winning the prem, but only three of them started the final.
1: It was a shame to see Andre Pollard
0: go off as well, wasn't it? Yeah, you wonder how fit he was. I mean, rumours and what you're hearing is that he was a long way away from being fit and then next thing he's...
4: You say that, Jim, but I spoke to him at Leicester a few weeks back. interviewed him in the Andy Goode tweet pre-match and he was like, mate, I'll I'll, I'll be fit in a couple of weeks.
0: Well, maybe there were 750,000 reasons why he wanted (laughs) to be fit. I'm not being horrible, but I mean, you saw the injury came off. I heard slightly different rumours. He knows better than anyone how far away he is or was and he clearly... Felt he was right to go. What did you hear about how far away he was from being 100%? I heard he wasn't going to be fit until Jan. I heard he was going to miss the autumn tests and stuff like that. So I just don't think, and again, Goody, you are a much better place than me to talk about. I just don't see him as a decent fit for Leicester. In a like-for-like, like, if you want to say like-for-like, like, losing George Ford, and we've not always spoke highly of George Ford. Back end of the season, looked brilliant. In attack, he looks brilliant. The way that Leicester want to play, you could say and argue the fact that Andre Pollard fits that. But I just don't know why they've gone out and signed a South African 10 at the back end of his career when there's other players that you could potentially look at. And the recruitment that Leicester have done, and we could go through some of the players in the academy system that they've got in such a key position, I just don't know whether, and I'm happy to be proven wrong, And I hope he's okay. And I hope he does get a bit of time in the jersey. But I just wonder whether he is the right player to take Leicester forward and to win the Prem again and, and to win Europe and be consistent because they
4: had George Ford and we know what our mate Freddie did at the end of the season. Jim, I'm just going to call you out on something there because you're trying to write a guy's career off. He's 28. Is he 28? And you're like, he's 28. <laughs> he's like, in his prime. He's at the back end of his career, mate. You're horrible. Well,
0: I know, but I feel like he's older.
4: Yeah. Do you know what? It's because he's been playing for South Africa for a long time, right, and had huge impacts on that team. I met him at Leicester and honestly, I was a bit. Nervous about it because all banter aside, he's a World Cup winning fly half, and I'm sat there a bit jovial. I want to see how much banter I can give him on stage, trying to get a few laughs out of him. First thing he does when he sees me, he walks over to me, goes, "Hi, Andy, how you doing?" Shakes my hand, and I'm like, "Fuck, he knows who I am."
0: Max well I
4: know, yeah, but <laughs> it took me back a bit. And then you speak to him; he's the nicest guy. The South Africans are humble guys, right? They're you know down to earth. They want to work hard for their club. There's no airs or graces around them. And I did a bit of investigation around how he's fitting in and all this stuff. And everyone you speak to at Leicester said he is the most professional guy possible. He's come in with all these medals, World Cup winner's medal, beat the Lions. He's a phenomenal player in terms of his, his career behind him. And he's come in humbly and just wants to help Leicester do as well as they can. And he has put himself in the shop window. He could have quite easily come to Leicester and said, "Now, nah, boys, I ain't fit till Jan.
0: Andrew, and it's great to have different opinions, and you are a better place than me. But he didn't play loads at Montpellier. He didn't set the world alight at the top 14. And I say this with all due respect, mate. He is effectively a marquee player. He's Leicester's marquee player, right? I'd say so, yeah. Exactly, and that's the level that we're talking about. I'm not talking about a 200 grand player coming in and not setting the world alight. I'm talking about a, what a Dan Biggers done for Northampton, for example. What a Semi done at Bristol's. There's no disrespect at all to Andre Pollard. absolutely love the bloke. He's a 10 out of 10 looking bloke. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but I just feel like Leicester have rushed the gun a little bit on trying to sign a top class 10 who I don't necessarily
1: think fits. Well, just like Andre Pollard, Jim, you wrote London Irish off at the start of the season. They looked pretty clinical and they went over Bath. What do you you mean
0: it was only Bath? Why are you saying it's like a team run? Is that what you said? (laughs) Is that what you just said? I heard that, Jim. I did. Yeah, they are a team which I'm probably going to be proved to be wrong, which I'm happy to do. Misguided by, I don't even know what it was by, maybe because I didn't end up going there. And maybe that's it. But there's no doubt about it. London Irish are great to watch on the eye. I love what they're doing down at Brentford at the stadium. They've got some quality lads in there. They've got a great academy system, some wicked coaches. So hopefully I am wrong. Hopefully my comments were the catalyst to get them into the top four and they take the Prem by storm this year.
4: The funny thing is, right, and Jim, you're kind of right in a way, but wrong in other ways. If you have a look at Declan Kidney Bean, me old Kidney Bean... Listen to his interview after the game. All he's talking about, they got, they got something ridiculous like 37-5 up or something Irish did. But then he was, he was more bothered about, and we let Bath back into the game. They scored a couple of tries. Then they were chasing the, um, the bonus point try for four tries. And then they nearly got the second one. And that's what he was talking about. Oh, oh. I'm talking about Ollie Hassel Collins, his hat trick. I'm talking about Henry Arundel. And I'm talking about Loder his hat-trick as well. Like, the handling was crisp, sharp, and what do you mean, Jim? Bath are absolutely horrific in defence, they're flying out the line all over the shop and no one knows what they're doing. Why do you say that, Jim?
0: I'm happy to put my name to it. I don't know, I didn't think they finished bottom of the Premier If you take Worcester out now, and we are being horrible, but... You can't see it any of the way, can you? They look so disjointed.
4: Yeah. And it's a new coaching team. You know that they haven't got Stuart Hooper giving the arousing speech, pre-match, and all this stuff. But you can tell watching the game, they're playing in a new system defensively that some of them haven't got a clue about. A couple of times Joe Cock and a Seagar, or a Singer, as you should call him, but I like a Seagar. He's flying out the line miles in field, off his ding a ling and just taking absolutely no one. So they're trying to come with a press and line speed. People are just defending spaces, not faces. And they're just getting lost and getting carved up. And, and London Irish are a quality team at picking off opposition where there's dog legs overlaps with the runners they've got. And that back three is ludicrous.
1: As a quality game at the Stoop as well, Quintet to hang on in the end, didn't they? Andrew, you were all over that game. <laughs> Absolutely loving it.
4: First and foremost, I was going to say what is it with Sunday games at the minute? Because they're redonkulous on BT Sport. But then I looked at it and it was actually the last two Sundays was Harlequins. So what is it about Quins? They are box office to watch, right? Whether you're a Quinns fan. To me, I was a pure neutral watching the game. The skill level, and you can get there's a number of things. Saints should have won. I personally think Saints should have won that game. Not comfortably, but they should have been in control. The amount they carved Quins open at times and then just dropped the ball. The line breaks were ridiculous. They gifted Quinns a couple of opportunities but more importantly what they created they didn't finish off and they had some glaring open goals effectively that they didn't take so the game was unbelievable the quality uh, you know Quinn's bouncing back going into a big league. Caden Murley's finish I mean Jim you've mentioned him a few times on the pod he is an unbelievable man to look at that photo yeah ridiculous no wonder no one can tackle him he's just too beautiful to tackle right
0: he's unreal and my (laughs) biggest worry in all this my biggest worry in all this do you know who I worry for the most when I'm watching this unfold, Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, because I support Scotland and I'm looking at the English talent that's coming through both Northampton, Queens, London Irish, Saracens, clearly, the Leicester players that are coming through. The skill set, what I'm seeing, what everyone is seeing, summer rugby, doesn't need to be summer, can just be spring. This just doesn't need to be February, January, December, and March. But I'm looking at the skill set, like you've said then, and you named a few, Oli Hassel Collins, we can talk about, Radwan Man when he plays, Arundel, Caden Murley, Farrell, Daly, Maybe it was some more, Furbank.
4: What do you mean we've got loads of talent and Eddie Jones shouldn't be coaching them because he's draining the life out of them? What do you mean, <laughs> Jim, by that?
0: I know, well, maybe that is the joy, that Eddie Jones is the coach and that it's going to be played in February and March. So it's going to be absolutely hosing it down. But I'm looking at these young lads coming through and they've just, the bar's been set and you tweeted about the Prem of how good it is to watch, if it isn't commercially sellable off the back of what we've seen just this weekend, just the two games alone that we're talking about now, the, the Queen's Northampton and the Saracen's Leicester, Four huge teams in English rugby. You're watching that. How is that not sellable? How does that not grow the game? I do not know. Is it the fact that it's behind a paywall TV? Maybe you could say that. That could be the reason why. But ridiculous. These young lads coming through, it's scary. And Yanwu as well, who got an opportunity to play again. I don't think he played very well against Exeter. And the fact that Nick Evans has backed him to play again. I know that they're missing Esther Hayes and Andre Esther Hayes in the centre. But I thought he looked good. We spoke about him after week one. Athlete. It's what they all are now. They're all bloody athletes, and I hate them. for. I don't know, I love them, actually, for
1: that. Well, Bristol were missing Genji and Peartel, but you must have been surprised at their defeat at Newcastle, weren't you? Good, he was there. Pitch side, you looked um, you look good in
0: black.
4: You looked look good in black. Slimming, right? Mm, swimming, I'd say. Swimming, swimming. <laughs> swimming. So I put, I put black on, right? And the funny thing is, my missus said to me, she goes, what, dressing all black? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, what look are you going for? She said, you're trying to look like the milk tray man. I said, uh, wow, that's a good idea, actually. She went, you look like the milk tray man that's eating all the fucking milk trays. <laughs> <laughs> so I got buried by the missus on the way out. But uh, no, listen, it was good to be back up in the tune, even though the drive took about five hours because there was a a train strike on the Saturday, which meant I had to drive there and back and pick up the dog. Uh, but anyway, back to Bristol's. Interesting. Obviously, they'd played 3-1-3 to start the season. They'd rested Piotr and Genge, their two main boys. He stuck Harry Randall on the bench as well. So the spine of their team in terms of a lot of cash, a lot of experience. Uh, Genji just doesn't fancy away games, I don't think. Newcastle a bit too far on a Friday night. But I looked at it and I'm commentating on the game and you get clips of the the changing room before the game and you could see Carl Sinclair and Joe Joyce before the game having a laugh and a joke just as they're literally about to come out the tunnel. And I don't mind that because I wasn't ever the most switched on. You know, you, you see some boys that were like, stop fucking laughing, stop smiling. I didn't mind it. But then you look at it and you see how they performed in that first half. They were poor. And I spoke to Pat Lamb after the game, saw him in the car park, and he was raging with the performance. Whether they took Newcastle lightly, and we shouldn't just make this about Bristol, because Newcastle last week, and we spoke about it on here, were absolutely horrendous against Worcester. And there was a lot of emotion in that Worcester victory for them last week around the last game at six ways, potentially. But Newcastle were absolutely dog poo last week but this week they've come they've turned up with a proper intensity proper attitude they've got three amigos in three Argentinian Pumas rocking up Uh, Orlando and Moroni in the centres were ridiculously good and then Carrera asked me on wheels oh my finish it was just ridiculous so credit to Newcastle Dave Walder said it before the game he had a bit of spike and a bit of intensity about him in training as well this week and they just wanted it more than Bristol's I think
0: more importantly did Pat ask about me or not in the Car Park no he didn't no no, nothing. Did he look like he wanted to ask about me or not?
4: No, mate, Lawrence did, though, when we were doing BT. Really? No, he didn't. Oh, did <laughs> <No>, he No, not <didn't. laughs> Damn.
1: Well, Sale got the better of Extra and the set piece and more, didn't they? It looks like Alex Sanderson's building something special up there.
4: Well, I believe that Alex Sanderson has been watching old videos of Jim Alton. That's what I'm going to say, because... Sale can maul to the cowsheds sheds and back and that's what Jim Hamilton could do, couldn't you James?
0: You've been too kind.
4: They just took them apart up front and actually when you look at the stats, Exeter, when you just purely take the stats out, look like they should have won that game comfortably in terms of possession, line breaks, territory, but Sale offloaded well, their line out drive was ridiculous, their forward pack monstered extras pack at times and um yeah the sandstorm. I like what he said after the, did you hear what you said after the game Jim. No. Alex Anderson is he's a deep thinker isn't he?
0: He is. A storyteller.
4: Yeah, he comes out with different stuff. His response after the game was the final is a long way away. So we can't get too excited. We just got to go week to week and it's the old cliche, take every game as if it's next week's cup final. And I'm like, Al, you're better than that. You always come up with something that makes me think you blow my mind where have you thought of that. But he's back
0: back to basics.
4: Cup final next week. That's it. So uh we're good, Sale were good. So uh, Exeter, Hoggy's lid was, was was still there. And he's not happy with you, is he, Jim, for giving him some stick on that?
0: Uh, he's all right. I spoke to him on the phone, actually, over the weekend because I think, actually, we can touch on that. So he put a post up, didn't he, about people and external people having an opinion on all that. And I was under the impression, not that he was having a dig at me and you, but he was having a dig at us calling him Mickey Rourke and all this. But he's actually got a really good point. So for the listeners listening to this... It is a poignant point on what you can and can't say to people. I think because of the way that we speak on here, people automatically have a connection with people that we might speak to, like Ravo, for example. Someone stopped him uh, at Audi. Not that you've ever been in Audi, Goody, but myself and Ravo, just many of the people, we go to Audi. He gets stopped in there, right? And people are like, oh, you Ravo, aren't you? You're the slug. He gets stopped. Deeks doesn't because we don't talk him up. His mum said on here, but. It's happened to me and you. People sometimes speak to us in the street, especially a few years ago when I'm walking with the kids in the pram. Big Jim, here he is, the fucking mountain wheelie bin. You don't even know the kids' names. As they're walking past, me pushing the buggy with my wife. And I think Hoggy, not necessarily off this podcast, but there's me thinking and overthinking it. We're calling him Mickey Rourke. You did. I did. You're calling him a hanging bit of kit. Uh, I don't think I've said that. (laughs) I'll just go for the lid, mate, because I... I had a shit and that's what he said. So when I spoke to Hoggy, he's like, "Look, who's goody to talk? He looks like Mr. Blobby with a fake hair." I said, "Exactly, that's the whole thing." So, so he can't complain.
4: Is- the, my point is, he can't complain about it if he's doing it himself. No,
0: he's not complaining. So that's the point. The point is, is that people are abusing him, or shouting at him, or coming up on social media if he has a bad game or doesn't do something that they think is good, and their go-to is taking the piss out of his looks, like because he looks like Robert the Bruce's dad. So that's where it came from before. But we do it in -in tongue-in-cheek with complete love. Other people are coming at him like, you're a hanging bit of kit, oh, and you shit at rugby. Do you know what I mean? Like, as in that's the point. And so there is that fine line. So for the listeners, just have a little bit of empathy and compassion. Would you have the bollocks to get your head on like that? Apparently it's painful. That's what he said. So how hard are you? So what you're saying is, if you don't know someone, don't abuse them. I think so. I think that that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking... Like, we're mates with these guys. We know them. We joke with them. We also know where the line is. And they know who we are.
4: Look at you, mate, doing skincare, getting in, in touch with your emotions, stop being horrible. Yeah. You turn into a very nice man, Joe.
0: Thank you, Andrew. And I'm looking forward to stroking that dog.
1: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's.
4: Thomas's presents Pondering
1: the
3: Bagel with Tom.
1: Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's, huzzah, a toast to breakfast.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
1: Let's take a break from the premiership now and look ahead to the start of the World Cup this weekend with England's Red Roses going in as hot favourites. We may have a chat now with one of their stars. Hannah Bottoman joins us. How are you?
3: Good, thank you. Very well. Morning over here. So
0: just had breakfast. Nice. Well, goody. should have had breakfast as well. It's the evening here as well. So <laughs>
3: Yeah. <laughs> Followed by his
0: dinner. Uh, Hannah, a bit of drama before we get into it. Were you absolutely hanging when you got off the plane? I don't know what you can or you can't say, but I've flown to New Zealand in economy and it took me about three months to recover. And I've flown back from the World Cup having just been knocked out in first class, which was a bit embarrassing, but nonetheless it was unbelievable, and I was still fucked. So what were you like when you folded off the plane, and were you pissed off?
3: There is only so much I can say on it, obviously. It's obviously all been reported on that. I think BA are gutted about it. But personally, I'm real short, so I'm all right. But there's probably some of the taller girls that were um, struggling. I, I imagine Deeps was probably struggling as well for his coach. He's um he's a big, big fella. And he's,
0: and, and he's quite happy as well, Hannah. An upbeat, isn't he, with that kind
2: of stuff? So. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. Very happy. Very, very happy. <laughs> it's happened. We're here. We're obviously not too focused on that anymore. It's It's been, it's gone. So um So, yeah focusing on on the forward
4: yeah good stuff we'll chat about Lewis Deakin a bit because he used to put Jim in a pile and absolutely dominate him at Tigers training he'd basically fill Jim Hamilton in for fun every week so <laughs> uh, look forward to some stories on him but um, tell us about where you're based you've been there a bit of a time now haven't you have you settled in pretty well how much fun is it in New Zealand away from the training field because that's all business when you walk over that white line but um, you're getting out and about a bit and seeing the country
3: yeah, so we obviously, you have to do quite a bit of acclimatisation when you get over here because it's such a, a big difference. So um, we've almost had a week on holiday, to be honest. Don't tell anyone I said that, but we've obviously trained a couple of times, but this first week has been a bit more about sort of like getting to know your surroundings and and where we're at so I think there's been a lot of like coffee shop finding and all sorts so um it's cool over here actually to be fair so I've never been it's my first time here but yeah cool
0: place yeah whereabouts are you based I played a season at Christchurch not that's about me I don't know why I always bring it back to me but <laughs> I also was there in 2011 so I've traveled the country Andy Rowe is from there as well but where are you based because it is it, well, depending on where you are it can be a little bit old school like 30 years in the past <laughs> which I love because I'm retro
3: so, we are at, currently in Auckland. So, we're here for two weeks for our first pool stage. And then, I might be saying it wrong, but we go to Whangarei. For our second pool game. And then we're back in Auckland. It's all in the North Island. So, we don't go down towards Christchurch and, and places like that. But, um, yeah, it's all North. So, we kind of flip in between Fungare and Auckland. But in Auckland at the moment, which is nice. But I'm told Fangare is a bit different. So, we'll see when we get there.
0: What's
1: it like, Andy Rowe? A bit of insight. Give us some insight. What... I mean, it's beautiful up there. It's beautiful Like there's there's nice beaches, nice islands. And uh, I mean, you talk about 30 years in the past, Jim. It's probably more like 60 for this one.
4: How's training been? Obviously, the climatization. You know, we've got the World Cup kicking off this weekend. It's, you know, it's huge for you girls. You're going in as huge favorites. I mean, I don't want to list off uh, all the success you've had, but let's just put it out there. You're absolute favorites beyond belief. Uh, you've unbeaten in 25 feeling any pressure or is it just enjoyment to start off with?
3: I think just enjoyment. I feel like we don't put too much pressure on ourselves and I think we just have to take each game as it comes really and just go out there and the cliche sort of like build on it each week. You obviously don't want to stop this, so So yeah, just each week get better, do what the coaches ask, train well and, and hopefully we come up with the end product that we want.
0: What's it like on the ground as well? Is there much hysteria building? I know the profile of the women's game, especially over here, has grown in recent years. Uh, we saw the momentum, not to talk about a different sport, but the football gathered momentum over here into the final. New Zealand, you could say, not the home of rugby, but kind of the home of rugby. What's the build-up been like then, the interaction?
3: Yeah, so we have our opening ceremony today. But other than that, to be fair, there's sort of like posters and stuff all over the place in Auckland. I got in a taxi the other day with someone and we got in and we are like, why are you here? And we were like... Oh, the World Cup, and I don't think he didn't think we were players, so he was like talking to talk us, like, what sort of games are you going to? And we were sort of like, well, we're all of them, sort of thing. And he was like, oh my god, you're famous, you're famous. And we were like, not really, but yeah. not yet. <laughs> A lot of people over here know about it, that's the, the vibe I'm getting. So, yeah, it's it's it looks like it's been advertised really well. So, and I think there's, there's something about 30,000 tickets being sold for that first game, so. Should be really good.
4: And then obviously looking at the other threats, you know, undoubtedly it's between yourselves, New Zealand and France are a, a big contender as well. We absolutely destroyed New Zealand last year, all over BBC. It was brilliant to see uh, stadiums packed as well. Have you been getting some stick about that or is it a case of this is a, a new tournament, different season and we've got to refocus the minds?
3: Yeah, I think you can't really take those results into account too much. I think New Zealand on home soil are a different, different beast anyway. Um, and also their team's, changed quite a bit, they've got quite a few of the Sevens girls that have come in, so they'll be a very different team, so I don't think we can really take much from from those results
1: New Zealand's also gone fully professional at the start of this year you guys know how much of a difference that made for you, was it back in 2019 how quickly can that make a difference to how you play on the field, how, how quickly can it translate into on-field performances
3: Yeah, I think instantly, obviously Jim and you know, in terms of like being professional and stuff actually being able to it's more like the recovery side of it like the, the training side is, is easy like everyone can go and train but the sort of recovery side of it is massive and just being able to focus on that's just so, so focused isn't it so it's, it will have an instant impact on like the players themselves but in terms of on pitch I think sometimes it takes a little while and in terms of like the the programme and stuff, it definitely took us a little while. But for the players themselves they'll they'll be they'll be feeling great and they'll be feeling a lot different. So
4: Hannah, you've just gone up in my estimation and you're now my favourite women's player because you basically just said oh, I was professional. Uh, I've never been called that in my life. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, <laughs> there's a first time for everything. So I'd appreciate that. I'm, I'm touched that you thought I actually I actually trained. Well, talk to you about the structure then, because obviously being full-time professionals, you know, you get to deal with one of the most miserable blokes that Jim Hamilton and myself know. And I can say you probably can't say it, but Lewis Deacon, uh, his nickname was Teabags. Bags. We won't go there. But he is he's a great guy. But the most miserable bloke I've ever met in my life. You're dealing with him a lot as your forwards coach right how is he
3: Personally, I really like him. I think hes he doesn't say a lot. So when he does say something, you you listen, you know? He's obviously come in and made a big difference to sort of our, our forward pack. And he's obviously a big line-out north. So we've got a couple of them in the team that, that will sit and talk line-outs with him all day. But yeah, I, I personally, I quite I quite like that he doesn't talk too much. And when he does, it, it, it means something. And he doesn't really like meetings too much either. So we're never in a meeting for longer than five minutes, which is also quite nice for someone like me. I can't sit still for for longer than five. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, th- I think the general consensus is everyone likes him. I've, I've, not, I've not heard anything bad so far.
0: Well, I think now I can probably say because I did see a video of him getting sat down at training. Not that I wouldn't get sat down at training if I was training with you girls, <laughs> but I think we can say that now. I was also, at his brother's 40th and it felt like a funeral. Like we were there, I was like, (laughs) I've come down from Edinburgh, is there any kind of energy? Lou's just sat there like that, he couldn't wait to get out. But he's, I mean, he's clearly a, a great rugby man and he's taken the plunge into international coaching. And like you've just said, he's hugely respected. What about some of the other players in the team? Emily Scarrett has been the headline, has been the front kind of face of English women's rugby for for many years. Who else should we be looking out for? Do you think who's coming through that we might not have heard of?
3: Chloe McDonald's been training well, so I think she'll she'll have a storm of of a tournament. Abby Ward's always got a hat in the ring. Amy Cocaine's been very good recently. We've got obviously a couple of young girls. Moana Tallin, I think she won't be offended by me. She's a unit. Can I swear on this.
0: You can say what the fuck you like. <laughs>
3: she's 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 built like a brick shit house. She's fucking massive. She's a she's big girl um, and she's she's young as well. So she's got a lot of learning and growing to do. But she, she she's going to be class. Sardia Kabea, She's sort of young but just she just hits everything everything. Obviously, she's got to compete with Packer, which is a tough one to, in terms of getting into the team, but she definitely gives her a run for her money. But yeah, Emily, I can't talk about Emily's because She sat down there, so I won't say anything nice about her.
0: Oh, she gets it all the time anyway. She's like the face of rugby on my, Sky, on, on my Sky Sports. So she's running this show.
3: Can't get away from her.
0: Well, Hannah, let's talk up yourself, though, because you, you mentioned these players here. You've been carving up yourself for the last few years, and people will say, who's the fastest? Not that. I'm asking who the fastest, but who's the strongest is what I'm going to ask. <laughs> who's the strongest? You are the strongest, aren't you?
3: I would like to say yes, but there probably are stronger girls than me.
0: In what exercises? I mean, it'd be quite interesting because a lot of our listeners will be male listeners, and they're thinking, oh, what do you mean? Like, they're strong.
3: All right. Top three, I'm um, top three bench, top three squat. I would say there are some heavy squatters though.
0: Hit us with some numbers. I think it would be good for comparison because I struggle to sit on the toilet. So either way, I'm going to be blown away.
3: Skaz <laughs> is trying to say that she's up there and bench. She's bottom three, bottom three bench. She's <laughs> worst in the country at bench. Played a lot though, so. Plays a lot, so doesn't folks. matter. Yeah, 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 doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, well, for reference, it's not a lot for men. This is, we're
0: not men. I'm telling you now it will be. Just hit us with a number. <laughs> it a
3: it will us. not be hard to beat Jim. luck <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, I think, a PB of sort of 140 squat. And when I say her ass touches the floor, it touches the floor. We've been repping sort of 120, 130 at the moment. Jesus.
4: Yeah, no, nah, not that nah, not that strong. No, not a bit of you? Well, no, I'll be honest. I couldn't do half squat for <laughs> 120, I don't think, with my knee. So, uh, Jim, you're embarrassing yourself here. I've seen you in the gym. You could walk bike, yes, but lifting weights, you were absolutely feeble.
0: Oh, i admit, I don't think I've ever squatted 150 or 140 in my life. (laughs) There you go. I
3: feel like you're at a disadvantage there.
4: Yeah, I was, yeah.
3: You're at a disadvantage, (laughs) bless you. You're tall, you're you're gangly, you've got no short leaving, though.
4: No calves, no quads.
0: (laughs) What about the home support, Hannah? How many people have travelled out? It's a long way to go, as we know. The games are on TV here. Personally,
3: I haven't got any family coming out just for, for... Lots of, lots of reasons, but I I know quite a few of the girls have got quite a few family members, boyfriends, girlfriends, all that sort of stuff coming out. So, yeah, I think, I think we will have a nice little group. I don't think it will fill a stadium, but I think there'll be some, some loud, loud support there. And just on that,
4: you said you haven't got any family heading out to New Zealand, but ITV have got right behind the World Cup. Oh, yeah. And they're showing the games live back here in the UK. So your family and friends will no doubt be glued to the TV it's absolutely huge, isn't it, that it's going to be on terrestrial TV in the UK? Yeah. Um, so that the country can get right behind and support the Red Roses, isn't it?
3: Yeah. I think for us, especially, it's, it, we've seen a big difference when they started putting sort of like the, the games on. I think there was a couple on BBC, a couple on ITV, and the difference that's made because I feel like a lot of people, if you don't know about it, it's not very accessible to watch previously. So now you're just looking and you just look and see some national rugby and and you pop on watch it and next another fan so I think it's it's so important that it's on terrestrial and and it's out there obviously unfortunately for us the timings over here aren't ideal so we'll be playing at four o'clock in the morning over there so in terms of figures and numbers I don't think they're going to be through the roof but I'd like to think that the support over there will will be will be big
0: and what about the other teams Hannah, Scotland. I think we've got Wales first up.
3: That'd be alright game that. That'd be an alright
2: game.
0: But what other teams are you looking at? Not that you're looking at Scotland or Wales, no disrespect. What are the other teams that we need to look out for where if it came down to a final and a one off game, who are the ones you're worried about?
3: I'm not worried about anyone, Jim, personally. Love it. I don't I wouldn't like to use the word worried. I think there's people that can be tougher than other opponents, obviously. But I think for me, France, New Zealand, tough, 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 tough. tough.
0: Lastly, from me, women's sport has taken huge leaps over recent years. Rugby's been a very male-dominated sport forever. And it's something I've gone through the process of, of chatting to Flats, chatting to a few different Ben Gulliver. I spoke to him as well. Without drawing comparisons to the Lionesses and what they did in the football, which was ridiculous, it kind of just springboarded
3: yeah so good we blew up
0: it did and how much of that i mean it's easy to say oh yeah you know they're leading the way or whatever but how much inspiration have you taken about that and where do you see the women's game now and where it's got to in the last few years for you
3: yeah i think that euros was was mental it was just i think everyone loves supporting something and loves a winning team right so that was just class and i don't really like i wouldn't necessarily watch women's football in general but that i was glued to the tv for so i think have to take inspiration from that and know that that's probably, the football was probably five, ten years ago where we are now, so it, we've got a little way to go, but I think we've got some real exciting things coming up in terms of like the, the Home World Cup. Obviously not trying to look too far forward, but I think that would be massive for us, and having that big tournament at home probably will we'll be able to generate a lot of support We've got a couple. Of, we've got a game at Twickenham, the standalone, which I don't think. If I'm correct, I might be wrong, but I don't think we've ever done a standalone fixture at, at Twickenham, and that that's obviously against France. So that's like a. If anyone's going to want to come and watch any game, it's going to be that one. So hopefully, we can get a decent amount of people down to that because if you don't get a decent amount of people to Twickenham, it feels very empty. I can assure you. So hopefully, we get we get a few people down to that, but we just got to keep growing. We've got obviously six Nations games at home each year, so. And hopefully we can we can build on on the winnings there and, and, and carry on and, and keep doing that. But yeah, obviously full focus on this World Cup, but the next one looks like it's gonna be exciting.
1: All right, Hannah. Well thank you very much for coming on and uh, enjoy New Zealand.
3: Thank you so much.
4: Thanks, Hannah. It's coming home, right? It is coming home.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Tell guys to share some of the marketing love as well.
3: Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? If she could. Yeah. <laughs> just everywhere. She doesn't shut up about it either. <laughs>
0: Awesome, Hannah. Good luck.
3: Cheers. Thanks, guys. Be rooting for you. Cheers.
0: Top woman. Top woman. woman.
4: We talked about Scouts, but she's sort of forefront of it all as well. She's an unbelievable player, Hannah. So, yeah, I I just think it's coming home, Jim. I cannot see. After spanking New Zealand, and Andy Rowe, you might correct me here, but after spanking New Zealand twice last year, putting over 50, uh, on them, it's coming home.
0: We'll see. I did a documentary with the Saracens-Quins final. Well, I did it actually on the... I did it on the final. That was it. It was a few years ago. And she was carving up then. Hannah was. So great to have her on. Seems like a, a good laugh. She's in game mode though. We can't be, do you know what I mean? Like Who's out drinking? Who's doing this? Game mode. Even though from everything you're hearing, they should be quite comfortable. But no, it's lovely to have her on. Let's take a look at the URC now. Then a tough weekend for the Scottish sides, Jim. Well, you say that. Glasgow a few changes before. And they're up against an Ospreys team that are all guns blazing for the Prem. They're trying to set a, a stall out to be, Get themselves into the Gallagher premiership so we won't talk about that what we will talk about is how well Edinburgh played in South Africa the last two weeks and Mike Blair's comments around our good friend Frank Murphy he ain't happy he is not happy with Frank he's not he's not gone too hard at him but URC good this way I say good some of the games were good the ones that weren't raining the other ones that were raining weren't great are were rugby that's what I'm saying but yeah Edinburgh lost to the Stormers, our good friend, John Dobson's team, who didn't win the URC last year, did they?
4: They did, James. They did, oh, they James. Did. I love yeah. the way you started off saying Edinburgh played really well. They lost thirty four points to A team, mate. If that's that's <laughs> Scottish rugby for you. Happy was <laughs> keeping it under fifty away from home. Standards.
0: Yeah, score line didn't reflect the game. They went ten nil up. Stormers scored a try. Both sides of the first half. Driving line out, forty one minutes into extra time and then they scored one right in the second half as well on 41 minutes. How does that work? Because it was extra time in the first half. That's how it could bloody work. Of course, they got a intercept as well, scored an intercept try and that was it really. I don't think they got the rub of the green and this was Mike Blair's comments after the game around the scrum. Frank Murphy, he didn't want scrums. He didn't want to see it.
4: Do not go there with my friend Frank Murphy. One of the best looking referees in the business
0: he wanted in and out mate he had a night out booked in cape town so he didn't want to <laughs> hang about for scrums and you know what mike blair's got a point because you go to south africa and the big thing and the big focus would be all week is around scrum time right as in do, try and dominate them physically or try and get parity physically and Edinburgh went full noise they had stuart at hooker pierre Schoeman, and wp now and they were doing well in the scrum they got nothing from it You know, they got nothing from it. I think John Dobson said after the game that they struggled in the scrum and that didn't reflect itself on paper. So Edinburgh, very good. They look really good. Uh, Jamie Ritchie, he's coming back to full fitness as well. They've got the Argentinians to come back in. Blair Kinghorn, still unconvinced with him at 10. Velicott at nine, looks very good. They've got a real balance to their team and they won in South Africa in last year's URC season. They beat the Sharks. This year they haven't won any of the two games but they look very good
1: the Dragons got close to another big scalp, didn't they? Almost tipped over the Sharks. They did. One
0: point in it, 19 points to 20 in favor of the Sharks. They were winning 12-6 at one point. All penalties. Not a great game, to be honest with you. A lot of kicking, a lot of mistakes. And it was an intercept try by Grant Williams, which was effectively the game. The Dragons, looking on paper, we spoke about it actually beginning of the season because I tipped them to win the URC, I think. The profile of their team, is starting to look really good. Ross Moriarty, Tame Basham, Will Rollins, J.J. Hanrahan, C.O. Tomkinson in the centre. They've got some quality players now coming through. Now, we don't know what's happened to Dean Ryan. You should know, Jim. Come on. Well, he's gone.
4: Well, you said you don't know what's happened.
0: Well, I think there's 800,000 reasons why he ain't telling anyone. He ain't going to tell me, <laughs> is he? When we do a podcast and so we could talk about it. So they're obviously trying to do a deal under the table. But for whatever reason, despite spiked their performances. And they look better. I know they didn't win at the weekend, but there's no shame really to lose by one point to a big South African team so
4: I think a bit of context on it though we've got to remember that the Sharks are shorn of all their international players aren't they as well so you've got some youngsters coming over part of the Shark squad and what do you reckon they're thinking? They used to be playing at the Shark Tank in Derbs on the beach they rock up in Newport for the Dragon's Lair next to a canal that's full of nappies and stuff and they're probably thinking "Oh, what? where, where have we come here?
1: And Leinster saw off Ulster in pretty awful conditions at the Kingspan didn't they? Well, firstly, watch this game live, and it was good. Just watched
0: it casually with a beer in hand. Now, I don't want to be horrible to the URC, but if you try and watch the YouTube extended highlights back, you don't get any context at all. They're showing like, penalties going over, but there's no reason why. You don't find out the reason why there was a penalty, or there's a red card. Why has he been red carded? No one knows. So URC, and I'm good mates with a few people there, you need to sort your extended highlights package out. Otherwise, we can't deliver the best product on here to talk about Players like John Cooney, who is now potentially Scottish, box kicking to the cowsheds and back, and putting the ball through the sticks because that's all that happened. Really, there was just a kick fest. Stockdale, Stock horse went off injured. Any news? No, no news
4: yet. He looks sharp. He looks leaner as well, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, he does. Do you remember Stuart McCluskey saying that Aaron Sexton, watch him for wheels, wheels. could have levelled it if. Cooney would have got the kick over, which he would have done, in the corner.
4: He would have, without a shadow of a doubt.
0: Yeah, it's on 70-odd minutes. That's on the extended highlights package. So Aaron Sexton going for the corner. Charlie Natai, out of nowhere. You think, oh, mate, it's a new club. Give up. We spoke about Ashton's tap tackle when he blew on the scene for Leicester last year. Have a look at this tackle by him. Knocks the ball, dislodges it. And they're the things that people don't see, unless you watch the extended highlight package (laughs) on YouTube. But that was a big moment for me, because there weren't a huge amount in the game, apart from a kick fest. Ulster came back and scored a few mauls, but Aaron Sexton had an opportunity there. We'll get you on in a couple of weeks once you finish that try, big fella. But (laughs) it was about Charlie Natai and Leinster, do what Leinster do. They look very good.
1: Did you say something
0: about John Cooney being Scottish? That's the rumour. The media are all over it. Apparently, he's been to Scotland when he was a kid. His lid looks on point. Not as good as Ali Price's, in my opinion, because I think what Stu McCluskey was saying, I actually did see in the rain. And you know, Goody, that your hair's at the worst in the rain. Thinning, mate, in the rain, yeah. Could you see it? A little bit. I could see a bit
4: of scalp. I could. (laughs) (laughs) I'll ask John Cooney. I'll I'll message John Cooney and ask him about, A, the lid, but, B, is he... He can't be that desperate to play international rugby, he's Scottish, right?
1: Right. Let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly.
4: Yeah, plenty of good this week. As ever, let's start off in France. And one of my favourite wingers in France, French winger. Not a French name, but Oliveretti Racker scored a hat-trick in Clermont's 43-20 win against Leon, taking him past 50 tries in the top 14 so big shout out to him we'll stick with the French theme for a minute La Rochelle they beat Racing 24-19 at the weekend that's not why they're in the good they're in the good because they've now sold out the last 70 home games that they've played at the Stade Marcel de Flandre absolutely ridiculous so uh, massive shout out to them I've had the privilege of commentating on a game over there and it is raucous as you like Sticking in France, uh, we'll go to Toulouse. They sent the Shags down to Montpellier, the champions. Sent the Binjuice gym, and they beat them 19 points to 17.
0: Zach Mercer has checked out, hasn't he? Oh, mate,
4: why are you being horrible? No, <laughs> I'm
0: joking. I'm joking. How good was it seeing him on stage as well, winning all the awards?
4: That was my next one. Big shout out to Zach Mercer as well. He won the top 14 player of the season for last year in uh, France last week so uh, I sent them a message on Instagram
0: so you're saying they're all out in the piss were you and they were celebrating too hard so that's why they didn't perform is that what you're saying Goody in Paris
4: I didn't say that you said that Jim so there we okay. go but anyway shout out to Zach Mercer but also a shout out to Toulouse and their shags let's go to the premiership uh, London Irish the Tri-Fest in Brentford absolutely outstanding Hassel Collins and Loda with hat-tricks we'll go to Saracens now Jim your old team they were ridiculously good. They get a mention the good this week. 14 offloads, 18 clean breaks. They put 51 points on Tigers. And a special mention obviously goes to the skillful freak, Theo Jim Hamilton-McFarland. Two similar athletes, two similar human beings. He was off the charts in terms of how he played. Nine carries, 12 tackles, two turnovers, one try. Man of the match. Just absolutely ridiculous from him. I've never seen a freak like it on the rugby field doing what he does with size, skill and power. Sticking in the Premiership and Quinns against Saints gets a mention in the good this week. Not sure what it is about Sunday games. but well, Actually, it's Harlequins games, to be honest. Absolute box office. Caden Murley, he gets a big shout out as well. One of our favourite Harlequins players. An unbelievable finish. Got the shotgun handoff out as well in that finish. And a ridiculous dive over the top to keep his feet in the air and score the try. So uh, well done to Caden Murley. Sticking in that game, though, here's one for you, Saints fans. Tommy Freeman, he gets a mention in the good this week. He equalled my old mate Mark Cueto's individual record of scoring in eight consecutive Premiership games. So hopefully he makes it nine. I think they're playing Wasps this weekend, so uh, I just want him to take Cueto's record because he's a hanging bit of kick Quates. But uh, yeah, big shout-out to Tommy Freeman. Now let's go over to the URC. Leinster and the Bulls, they're going to get a mention this week in the good. Both three from three. Leinster beat Ulster and the Bulls beat Connacht so big shout out to those boys but none of that wins the good this weekend Jim because it's going to go to one of my old teams.
0: Right, let me have a guess. Don't don't say breath. Is it not? Surely not breath. Breathe one, but they don't get the good this week. Didn't say it. I know where you're going. You go into the one that built the house, Newcastle.
4: (laughs) A massive shout out to Newcastle. They're going to get the good this week. We abused them last week for their performance. They are in the bad against Worcester, but their bounce back ability led by, you called them Newcastle All Blacks, didn't you, Jim? But no, no, no. It's Newcastle Pumas now. The three Argentinians, Orlando Moroni and Matteo Carreras, he scored an absolute worldie of a try to seal the bonus point victory. Skinned the hell out of Rich Lane. I mean, I feel sorry for that kid. He's been turned inside out and got gassed. Matteo Carreras, Newcastle Falcons, the Argentinian massive. You're going to get the good this week. The bad few bits are bad. We're going to start off in Wales, Jim. They want to come over to the Prem, but no. The Scarlets, they're getting a mention of the bad this week. They lost 34-23 at Benetton. More importantly, they've played three, lost three. So um, they get a mention of the bad. Bristol's get a mention of the bad as well. And specifically, Carl Sinclair. Didn't think he played very well. Bit of an average performance. Pat Lamb, after the game, was absolutely raging. Spoke to him in the car park. Jim, not happy.
0: Did he genuinely ask for me or not?
4: They didn't ask for you, no. Did Lol? No, Lol didn't either. No no, 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 he didn't. But actually, Pat Lamb said he's canned the night out. They had to fly straight back to Bristol instead. So um, average performance from those boys. What else was bad? Poo, Poe. I mean, poo, Poe. Get a mention of the bad again. They got spanked 34-17 at home to Toulon. So not good from them. My old club gets a mention of the bad this week. And I feel bad doing this because, um, you know, the Andy good suite is fully... Open up at Leicester Tigers, but they get a mention of the bad. It wasn't at home, so not my fault. But a very bad day at the office, Jim. Conceding 50 uh, at Saracen, so I don't think Steve Borthwick let the boys go out on Saturday night.
0: I don't think they go out much anyway.
4: So Leicester Tigers get a mention of the bad, but they don't win the bad because this week, the bad goes collectively, Jim, to the Scottish teams. What? Wow. Both of them lost. So uh, Edinburgh (laughs) and Glasgow got handed their arses. 34-18 against the Stormers for Edinburgh and 32-17 against the Ospreys. So, um, yeah. Scottish teams, Edinburgh Glasgow, you get the bad this week. Ugly, few bits of ugly, we're going to stick with the Scottish theme. George Turner with a dirty, dirty cheap shot on Gareth Anscombe into the ribs. Do you see that, Jim?
0: I did, and what can you say?
4: You tell me, Jim. Play on or not uh,
0: No, I don't know. I didn't think Bundyaki deserved eight weeks, so... I Don't change
4: I, the subject, we're, we're on George Turner here.
0: Nah, I think he was all right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'll see him oh, at the gym go. most days. And I'll, oh, I'll, 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 I'll do
0: the cross trainer next to him a few times, so yeah, fine by me.
4: <laughs> there we go. Uh he gets to mention in the ugliest way. Also in the ugly allegations of the Cardiff players getting into an altercation and then egging a pub on their team session. Two eggs
0: in twenty twenty two. Lasagna bags. I'm telling you now, if you want to do it properly, get a bag full of lasagna and get that into a bus stop or get that up into the windows because that is stinking. Not I mean an egg. <laughs> Bloody egg.
4: But the Ugly this week goes back to the Cowboys gym. The statement from the owners, Colin Brownring, not Brownring, Goldring and Jason Whittingham. Not their fault. I'm sorry that not enough fans came to watch. We couldn't keep the club going because you, the fans, didn't come. I'm sorry that the players wouldn't take a pay cut because the players just weren't good enough as well. So we didn't win enough games for the fans. Basically, it's not our fault. Deny, deny, re The most tone-deaf statement any owners could ever make about their own wrongdoings and mismanagement. So... The Ugly this week goes to the absolute shit houses, as Tyson Fury would say, <laughs> shit house, you're a shit house, Colin Goldring, Brownring, and Jason Whittingham for their statement last week. Error.
1: Cheers, Goody. And you guys got some shout outs to finish off with, don't you? Of always. Thank you for keeping
0: them coming in thick and fast. There's more coming in, so if I'm ignoring you, I'm going to get a social media manager once more And brawl takes off. So, excuse me. But we have got a few. We've got one from Joe from Newport and Salop Rugby Club in Shropshire. He's unfortunately suffered an injury last Sunday, which has left him in hospital facing a lengthy recovery period. Joe, you've got this and we're supporting you and we're thinking about you from here on The Rugby Pod.
4: Yeah, massive shout out as well to Sam Brown and Rick Preston. Uh, Sam is rowing a 1,000 miles in memory of his daughter, Rosie. Uh, and raising money to buy cuddle cots for hospitals. He's raised an incredible £35,000 so far. Any further donations would be hugely appreciated to help him over the line. It's a great cause. Just go to www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash rowing for Rosie. So, um... Yeah, a massive shout-out to Sam Brown and Rick Preston for that.
1: Yeah, good on you too. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, producers Tristan and Rob. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube. And make sure you've subscribed on Spotify.
0: Rugby, Spaha,
4: Spod. Spotted pod, 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 pod. (laughs)